Well, hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the 1145 service. How many are excited about the Lord? Yes. He is somebody to be excited about, I'm telling you. Um, let's start off with prayer. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to come before you. We thank you, Father God, for the word that's going to be presented today. And I just pray, Father God, that this word will fall on good ground and bring forth fruit in their lives. Holy Spirit, we yield to you to come in and do whatever you want to do. We offer this service up to you right now, and we thank you in advance for all that you're about to do in our hearts and in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 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 I'm Pastor Love, um, one of the founding pastors here at Nashville Life. You know, when I look and see three services and what we started in our living room, I just say, Lord, you are amazing. God's amazing. I see one of my sons here, James. Good to see you, my friend. <laughs> I remember when James first came here, he was a high schooler, and James, well, he had such a hunger for God. He just wanted, he was always, every service, he kept asking me questions. Well, how do I know when, when he's talking to me? And I, I said, James, you'll know. I said, you'll know. <laughs> but I'm so proud of him and his family, Charles and Lily. Um, yes, this is uh, July. This is the week, of the, I guess the month of the family. So I want to first, before I introduce my family, is to remind you guys about the Create Camp that's happening uh, July 18th to the 21st. Um, this is a time when we, we gather with our young kids from kindergarten to sixth grade. So if that's you, if you have any kids in the house that you want to uh, put them in the environment of the Lord, I would highly recommend you to send them to Create Camp. Uh, and that's July 18th to the 21st. It's from 9 to 4. And I'm telling you, they will come back home changed. Yes. Praise God. <laughs> Praise God. Um, because this is the family week, I want to give you guys a chance to see my family. Um, that's, uh, that was taken last November at Alvin and Jasmine's uh, wedding. And that's me on the right peeking over my shoulder, my wife's shoulder. And that's uh, Wyatt there you know, with his mom and dad. And so the next picture I want to show you is a picture of my granddaughter. And that's Rooney. We call her Ruru. And she's uh, about three months old now. And so we're excited. But we're not finished. We have one more that's coming in September. We have another, <laughs> another baby girl coming in, in September. So my wife and I, we are ecstatic. I mean, we are just over the moon, as they say. Any grandparents in here, y'all know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. Y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, my message today is entitled, What It Means to Be a Father. You know, because we're talking about the family, you can't really talk about family without first talking about fathers. You know, we're the, we're the head of the family. We're the ones that God has used to, to cultivate our families, to teach our family, to grow our family in the ways of God. So it's important for fathers to be understood and to know why God has placed them in the position that he has them in. Um, about three years ago, the Lord had placed in my heart to really start ministering to the men of this church. Um, I had stepped down for being lead pastor. My son took over. And so God had put me into another area. He wanted me to really focus on the men. I had a life group last September, 
And um, we had about 35 men in that group, and it was amazing. We met on Saturday mornings, and, um, and we're going to do it again um, this coming fall. So if you uh, are interested in just learning what it means to be a man and, and how to be a father and a husband, please join my life group. And um, yeah. <laughs> I see some of, the, some of the guys are in here, uh, but we have a great time. Um, you know, to see the conditions of our men today, it's pretty obvious that something has to be done. Um, I believe the church has been a little bit more quieter than it should be uh, because of all the voices that we hear today about identity and, and what is a man and what is a woman, all these things that God never changed his mind on who he said a man was and who a woman is. But for some reason, a lot of people are being deceived today because we are not preaching or talking about it more in the church. And I think this is a place where we're going to find out what it means to be a father. Uh, today I want to show that every human father, past, present, and future, is derived from God. Nothing in the Bible is more important than the revelation of fatherhood. Fatherhood is the central theme of the Bible. If you think about it, the Bible is basically a love story between God and his children, from Genesis to Revelation. So we really understand that fatherhood is something that we all need to understand. If it's important to God, it's got to be important to us. Let me bring this thought home. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14, 15. Ephesians 3, 14, 15. This is Paul's prayer to the Ephesians. He said, for this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. When you look at that word family in the Greek, it's the word patria. A patria is derived from the Greek word for father, which is pater. So in other words, instead of whole family, we can replace that with fatherhood. For this reason, I bow my knees to the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole fatherhood in heaven and earth is named. God places his name on fathers here in the earth. God places his name on fathers because now, because of the Jew and Gentile being one family under God, that was not offered in the Old Testament where it was Jehovah, it was Yahweh, it was God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He was not known very often in the Bible, in the Old Testament, as father. But Jesus has introduced us now. He said, this is not only my father, but it's your father. When we pray the Lord's Prayer, what do we say? Our, what, Father, which is in heaven. So we understand that fatherhood is something that we need to understand, and it comes from God. The life of every family is the father, and every fatherhood is derived from the fatherhood of God. I really, I'm, uh, in reality, behind all families is the, is the Father of God. We, that's, that's the reality of everything. The whole essence of the Bible is about fatherhood. And I think that subject is not talked about enough today. God's purpose is to provide us with the revelation of himself as Father. Let's go down to John chapter 14. We're going to read verse 6. John 14, 6. And this is Jesus talking to uh, Thomas. 
Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now, most people will just kind of read that verse and end it right there. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. But we need to read the rest of it and say, what is he really saying? He said, no one comes to the Father except through me. So Jesus makes it very clear that he is not the final destination. He said, I am the way to the destination. I am the way to the Father. It doesn't minimize who Jesus is because without Jesus, we can't even get to the Father. So Jesus was the door that allowed us to have the ability to know who the Father is. Jesus says, if you know me, you know the Father. So it's important for us as fathers, as men, to understand the fatherhood of God because we all are derived from that. You see, the father is the source of the family. He is the life of the family. When God decided to create the earth and, and all the planetary systems and everything, all that was in God. And when he said, let there be, all of the things that was in God came out of him. He's the source of everything that's life today. So when a father becomes a father, he's the source. So everything of life comes out of the father, which is the family. Okay? So we understand how God says, look, I'm a father, and what? You are a father too because of what's in you. I told the men in my life group yesterday, there's generations in you. You may not know it now because it's just you, but God sees in you generations and generations that are just waiting to come out of you. So it's important for these men, especially if you're not married or have kids yet, to understand who you are in God and how God sees you. He's invested so much in us, so much in us. In John 17, verse 1, Jesus spoke these words, lifting up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, he said, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son also may glorify you. Jesus made it clear that everything that he did was to glorify the Father. When people try to put credit to Jesus, Jesus said, there's only one who's good, and that's the Father. When, when, when Jesus did great, great acts on the earth, he gave glory to the Father. And whenever time he gave glory to the Father, you know what he was doing? He was showing off his Father. He said, it's because of the Father I'm able to do what I do. He said, I do nothing unless my Father tells me to do it. He made it clear that his whole existence was based on the Father. That's how important us to know the Father is. In John 17, 6, he says, I have magnified, I mean, I'm sorry, manifest your name. I have manifest your name, which is Father, to the men whom you have given me out of the world. In John 17, 26, Jesus says, and I have declared to them your name. Again, Jesus is letting them know, I'm declaring, Father, your name to them, and will declare it, that the love with which you loved me may be in them and I in them. So what will bring this love that Jesus is referring to to full fruition or fulfillment. The revelation of God as Father. Once we understand God as Father, then we will understand this amazing love that God had for his son and the amazing love that he has for us. We are part of his family. We are in the fatherhood of God. God is our Father, right? 
So just as he loved Jesus, he loves us just as much. Matter of fact, he sacrificed one to bring in more sons. That's how much he wants us to be with him. The privilege of every human father is to represent his family to the fatherhood of God. That's the privilege of every human father in this room, is to represent his family to God. To be a father is the godliest thing any man could be. Or it could be the ungodliest thing any man can be. Let me explain. When a man who doesn't live up to the responsibility of a father, he's given his children the wrong image and wrong understanding of who God the Father is. Anytime you can go up to a person who's out in the world and says, don't you want to have God as your father? They were like, well, I don't know about that. Because only image of a father that he knows is of a father that he doesn't care much for. So he's painting a bad image of who the father is. God has trusted us with his name. How are we handling his name? I have a son who's named after me. I would be devastated if he was out there destroying Alvin Love. <laughs> but he's just doing the opposite. He's lifting my name even higher. That's a father. To see his sons and his daughter rising up high above where God has placed them. But it all depends on what the father has done to that child growing up. It's a disservice to so many of our children, the way we have handled them and how we have been a father that, well, less than a father than we should have been. You know, I shared this testimony earlier that when I got saved, my father and I, we did not have a good relationship. He was in the home, but then again, I didn't know him. He, was coming, he would come and he would go. He would come and he would go. I had to almost make an appointment to try to get with him, to sit down and talk to him. I'm, I'm busy, son. I got to go do this. I'm busy. I got to cut this deal. You know, everything was about business. And I'm saying, but, you know, Dad, I thought we was going to the ball game. Yeah, I know I promise you, but maybe next time. That's how I lived with him. But it wasn't until I got saved that God placed me in a church where there were strong fathers and strong men. And I was able to really see what a father looks like and what a family looks like. I was like, wow, this is amazing. And I believe that God placed me there because he knew where he was going to take me. And now I have the privilege of ministering to young men now today, and I really enjoy the times that I'm spending with them. I'm seeing a hunger and I'm seeing a thirst in these men to know what their purpose is, and why am I here now? What is my purpose? Why did God created me to be in this earth at this time? Is it by accident? No. It's by a divine assignment. Unfortunately, too many fathers today are not representing God to their families, unfortunately. Since the father is the source of the family, what comes from him can either be good or bad. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3, it says, but I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ, the head of woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. 
So you can see there is this descending order with the, you got God the Father, you have Christ, you have uh, the man, and then you have the family or the wife. That's how God created. That's his order. God, Jesus, man, wife. My wife, regarding family. Now there's two of these that either relate upward and they relate downward. Jesus Christ relates upward to the Father and he relates downward to man, right? The man relates up to what? Jesus as Lord and he relates downward to his family. So this is not coincidence how God created this so that as Jesus looks to the Father for what he needs, he's able to transfer that to down to the man the man receives from Christ, and now he's able to pour into his family. Let's look at the responsibilities of a father. Jesus Christ is a priest, he is a prophet, and he is a king. The father is a priest, the father is a prophet, and the father is a king. Let's break those down. Let's look at the father as a priest. The responsibility of a priest is to offer what? What does a priest do? He offers sacrifice. A father is supposed to offer a sacrifice to, his, to God from his family. He represents, he, represents the, he represents the family, I should say, to God, okay? He does this by praying for his family. He does this by sacrificing praise for his family, and he also does this by giving constant thanks to God for his family. That's the job of a father. Lord, thank you for my family. Thank you that what you were doing in our lives. Thank you for, for, for allowing me to have these wonderful children. Thank you, Father God. I praise you for them. He's offering up praise and sacrifice to them, to God. In Job chapter 1, verse 5, it says, So it was when the days of feasting had run their course that Job would sin and sanctify them, and he would raise early, rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, It may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus Job did regularly. Job constantly prayed over his children to God. If they've done anything that wasn't holy, anything righteous, Job was offering up praise and thanksgiving to God to cover them. In Exodus 12, we also see that when the death angel, when God was going to send the death angels to destroy the, the Jew, I mean the <laughs> Egyptians, he placed the blood over the doorposts of the house from a lamb that was a, a perfect lamb he was sacrificed his lamb, and the father was responsible for taking the blood and placing it over the doorposts of the house. And this was his way of what? Protecting his family, covering his family, so that no death would fall upon this family. So you can imagine a father at that time who was lazy or who found out maybe there was something else he wanted to do and neglect doing that, he would destroy or he would, he would lose his firstborn son. So you can see, as a priest, how important it was for him to what, protect his kids. In the New Testament, in Mark 9, 23, 24, Jesus says to Thomas, he said, if you can believe, 
all things are possible. I'm sorry, this is to the, the man who had the, um, the boy who was demon-possessed. I'm sorry. This is when the boy, uh, the father took the boy to the disciples, and they could not heal this boy. And so now the father brings the boy to Jesus and says, look, your disciples could not do this. Now I'm bringing him to you. And this is what Jesus said to him. He said, if you believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. It was because of the father's faith and belief in Jesus that the boy was healed. It was amazing that even the disciples could not do this, but it was the father's faith. It was the father's belief that caused this boy to be healed. In Acts 16, 31, another story we read about when Paul and Silas were in prison, they were chained in prison, and they worship and magnify the Lord, where the Lord came and set them free, broke the chains and set them free, and all the prisoners who was in the prison were set free. But the jailer was worried because he was thinking about his life. He said, oh, if these persons get out, I'm, I'm, I'm a dead man. Then he said, what must I do to be saved? And this is what uh, Acts Paul says. He said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. See, the jailer had a responsibility and the authority to believe God for his family. And because of his belief in Jesus, his family was saved. His whole household was saved. Again, it was the father's action. It was the father's faith. Let's look at the father as a prophet. The father is responsible to represent God to his family. So now is bringing God to the family. Ephesians 4, I mean 6 and 4 says, And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. It's the father's responsibility to teach their children and not depend on the mother to do it. It's the father's responsibility. You know, fathers and boys have a tendency, especially boys, but kids have a tendency to, to really uh, mimic their father. You know, it's the father who carries that, that, that presence in the home, the kids make no pay, pay more attention to I guess you can say and so when the father is is doing the right thing in the house the kids can see that but also if the father is doing the wrong thing they can see that also Colossians 3 21 says father do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged you must discipline as well as teach if you don't set any boundaries for your children then They'll run, they'll run loose. They'll run loose, but it's the father's responsibility, not only to teach, but also to discipline and train his children. This is very clear in Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 18, 21. It says, therefore, you shall lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul and bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall teach them to your children, speaking of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up, and you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. 
that your days and the days of your children may be multiplied in the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers to give them, like the days of the heavens above the earth. So you can see from this description that there is never a time when you're not in a teaching mode or training mode or even a discipline mode with your children. It should be a constant thing that you do constantly. Every opportunity you have to teach your children, every opportunity you have to talk about the Lord should be done in your house. Your kids should hear about Jesus. They should hear about the, the acts that went down in the Bible and how God was always able to come to the rescue when they cried out. Your kids should know that God is a loving God, that he's a God who wants nothing but the best for them. They should know that God is always faithful. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Children need to hear this. So what he was saying here is that every opportunity you have, you got to let them see that. Wow, he's good. Wow, God is loving. God is merciful. He's kind. This should be a constant thing that they see all the time. And then it won't be hard for them to say, hey, it's time to go to church, son. Yeah, let's go, mom. Let's go, dad. Because they've been hearing about Jesus all week long. Everywhere they go, they've been hearing about him. What it means to be a father. Hebrews 11:7, another situation with Noah. Noah heard from God. God says that he's going to destroy the earth with water. And told Noah to prepare an ark for his family. Noah didn't say, oh, I don't know about that. He went out there and prepared an ark. He was laughed at. He was talked about. But when that rain came, they was all trying to, let me in, let me in. Because he was covering his family. He was protecting his family. A father did this. A father went out there and built that ark for his family. And one more thing. Let's, let's look at father as king. We saw him as a priest. We saw him as a prophet. Let's look at him as a king. The father has the responsibility to rule his family. There must be a father's authority in the home. When the father is in the home, the, it's almost like the, the kids, everybody feels at peace, dad's here. Oh, we, we, we're, we're good. Dad's in the house. That's the authority that he should bring into that house. First Timothy 3 verse 4, 5 says, one who rules his own house well, having his children in submission with all reverence, for if a man does not know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the house of God? So don't come into and asking pastor for a position in the church when your house is a wreck. No, I'm serious. You need to go home and get your house in order first before you can come in here and want to manage this house. This is the word of God. God is telling us that. It doesn't mean, it doesn't mean he doesn't want you to serve. He just says, first, you got to serve at home. Now come to the church and serve. When God wanted to start a holy family on earth, he chose Abraham. Of all the men in the world at that time, why would God choose Abraham to be the father of faith? In Genesis 18, 17 through 19, it says, And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I am doing? Since Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. Verse 19 says, for I have known him in order that he may command his children 
and his household after him, that they keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice, that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he had spoken to him. It was not by accident. God didn't just randomly choose a person to be the father of faith. He chose one who managed his home and his kids were under subjection. He managed his home well. A nation is only as strong as its fathers. Men, it's never too late. Your responsibility as a father, now is the time to make the decision that will fulfill the responsibilities that God has given to you as a father. Every father in here has a tremendous opportunity to represent to their family who the father is. There's a, there's, a, there's a responsibility that comes with the authority that God has given to us. In closing, there are five things that are necessary to find fulfillment as a father. Number one, acknowledge your responsibility as a father. To acknowledge your responsibility as a father means that you must take your position. If you have been, if maybe you were out of position for a long time. We're talking about how to find fulfillment again, is to get back in position. Once you're back in position again, now you can take the responsibility and the authority that goes with it. You can't have authority and responsibility if you're out of position. Just think about a, a police officer who has a uniform on, right? He's in his uniform, so he has the authority to operate as an officer. His job is to direct traffic. He tells this traffic to hold up, and he tells the side to come. He has responsibility, right, because he's in his position. What if he decided to take a break and just said, I'm tired of this job. I'm just going to go sit on the curb. Chaos happens. Why? Because he's out of position. Because he's out of position now, he, does, he's, he doesn't have the responsibility that he has because he's sitting down on his responsibilities, and now he doesn't have the authority, even though he has a uniform on, so this is a picture of a lot of our fathers today who are standing, trying to stand as fathers, but they're out of position, and they're forsaking their responsibilities. And when you forsake your responsibilities, then chaos happens. God has placed the father in the position for a purpose, to place order in that house, to manage his home and his children well. But when that's out of place, then it's free for all. There's no order. And that's what we see today in the world today. We see a lot of homes that are out of order. Why? Because the fathers are not in position. They have abandoned their position. They have walked away. They threw up their hands and said, I'm tired of this. I can't take it anymore. And now the family suffers because he's out of position. Can you imagine? What if God decided to step away from us? What if God says, you know what? I'm tired of them folks. I'm not going to do this anymore. But he's a good father, right? Because he won't do that. So, so if he's a good father and he's given us the title of father, then we have a responsibility to be a good father to our families and to our children. That's the only way this world is going to change. It's not going to change politics. The only way it's going to change is when the father gets back in position and says, I'm taking my position. I know I've been out for a while, but I'm back now. 
what I'm saying? That police officer been sitting on the curb. He's, I'm tired. Hey, let me get back in my spot. Cars are crashing and stuff. <laughs> you know? Hold up over here. Come on, come on. That's order. Number two, humble yourself before God and recognize that you need help. In no sense of you acting like you got it going on and you know you don't have it going on. <laughs> God already knows you don't have it going on. But he's a good father and he wants to restore you back to where you're supposed to be. Okay, so first, acknowledge your responsibility as a father. Number two, humble yourself before God and recognize that you need help. Number three, trust God for the grace. There's no way possible. I could have been a pastor of this church when I stepped in and said, I, said, I just said, okay. It was the grace of God that allowed me to do what we did and have the people that we needed, the resources we needed, the places we God had all this in place. He was waiting for me to step in position. I'd say, yes, Lord. He's all right now. Now I can do all the things I need to do now. Everything starts to flow once we get into position. When we get into position as Father, God said, now I can move. He's been waiting to move, but he waited for us to get in position. We want God to move and we're sitting on the couch. It's time for us to get back to where we were called to be. We were called fathers. We have the same name as God the Father. The same responsibility, the same authority, the same power. There's power in the name of Father. You know why? Because God backs that up. He backs up fathers. Oh yeah, I got you. I got you. Number four, be diligent. Give it all you have. Don't be half-stepping as a father. You know, sometimes I want to be a dad and sometimes I don't. Make it your number one priority. That's number five. Make it the most important thing you do. More important than that business deal. More important than that uh, 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 project that you want to work on is your family, is your children. I said this in the first service, that Pastor Cesar Castellano, who we were, good, uh, we were following in his ministry for a long time when we first started our church, he told a story about one time when he had an appointment with his, with his president of Columbia. Well, right before the appointment, his daughter called and said, Dad, I need you. I need you to come home. He told his secretary, he said, tell the president I can't make it. He said, my daughter needs me. What does that mean to that girl to know that her father was willing to turn down the president for her? What does it do for her self-esteem as a person? Oh, that boy, when he knows that the father said, I know I got this business deal, my son needs me. And he just wanted to go to the ball game, but hey, it, that's my son. I got to do that for him. I got to show him that he's priority. We put everything else in priority except for our children and our families and our homes. You know, one thing before I close, I just want to say this. When you talk to most men many times that have reached success in business and and, and, and maybe in athletes, you know, sports or whatever it is they have trying to reach. They reach that goal, that pinnacle that they wanted. And then you always ask them and say, well, what is the one thing you wish you had it done if you had to do it over again? And most of the time, if not always, they always say, I wish I had spent more time with my kids. Because all the accomplishments that they have, uh, have, have accomplished does not equate 
to the love that that boy or that girl needed for her father. You can't buy that. You can't buy that. So in closing, I just want to pray for the fatherhood and that we will all understand that our fatherhood comes from the fatherhood of God. So let's pray. Father, what a blessing it is to know you as father. Thank you for the revelation of fatherhood. I pray that every believer and every non-believer will come to know you as father. Your word declares in John 14, 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Give every father that's listening to my voice the resolve to represent you to their families so that every generation to follow will experience the joy and the fulfillment that comes from knowing what it means to be a father. Father, we repent for not being the fathers we should have been. Forgive us for not representing you to our families. Restore the authority we once had and allow our families to enjoy all the benefits that comes from knowing you as father. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you. Such an important, you know, one of the things I was reading, it says there's nothing more important than fatherhood. Nothing more important than fatherhood. And if we can grasp that as a people, especially even if you're a young boy coming up, he needs to understand how important that is. And fathers, there are fathers now it's so, we need, we need godly fathers. We need fathers who love the Lord and love their families so we can see a change in this world today. At this time, I want to give somebody an opportunity to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. We know that nothing starts in life until you accept Jesus. The Bible says you are now born again by the, in the Spirit. You will never know the Father until you know the Son. You will never know that. I don't care how much books you read. It's a spiritual connection. And you will never know the Father until you know who the Son is. So I'm going to ask everyone to stand, please. And I'm going to ask uh, those who are uh, working at the altar to come forward. Praise God. Thank you. And please, everyone, please repeat this prayer. If you maybe have already said this before, maybe you're a believer, but say it again so those who are saying it for the first time can hear your support. Say, Father. Father. Wait one second. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. And on the third day, You raised him from the dead. Forgive me of my sins and wash me in your precious blood. I now choose to follow Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Fill me with your Holy Spirit so I can live a life that's pleasing to you every day. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hallelujah.
Glory to God. If there's anybody here who, made, who said that prayer for the first time, we want to hear from you. So please text the word belong to 77411 if you said yes to the Lord. As a church, we want to connect with you. We want to send you some information that will start you on your journey, on this new journey with Christ. Also, if you want to get more information about this church, Nashville Life Church, in about five minutes, we're going to have Next Step 2, which is on the third floor here in the building. Um, and Pastor Alvin will be, I mean, Pastor Marion will be conducting that class today. And also, if you want to still give an offering, uh, thank you in advance. You can still give online by texting Nashville Life to 77411, or you can give in the back, uh, fill out your envelope and fill a check cash in the back, and the finance team will be more than happy to receive your offering. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to gather around your word. Father God, I thank you for fatherhood. I thank you, Father God, because you have shown us what it means to be a father. And so, Father God, I pray that you will continue to minister to, to us as we leave this place. I pray that the Holy Spirit will continue to impart in us the knowledge and wisdom that is required to be a father. Father God, bless us as we leave this place. Let your blood cover us. Bring us back on the appointed time. And we'll give your name all the praise, glory, and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You're dismissed. God bless you.